Hey guys, so today's episode is a very special episode because we have two lovely guests, Beth and Katie. They are both practicing PAs who have served as many, many titles from faculty at PA programs. They are both have their doctorate degrees and they have worked in orthopedics, emergency medicine, and cosmetics, you name it. These ladies together have done it over the years as PAs and just as inspiring women, honestly. And they are great proponents of the profession. They are hoping to kind of kick PAs into the universe, so to speak, and get the profession out there on an international, a global level, just expanding everything that PAs can do and helping patients not only here inside of the U.S., but outside of the borders as well, where there is definitely a need for healthcare and for providers like PAs. So today we are talking to both of them. They are sharing their advice for pre-PA students, didactic year students, clinical year students, and even non-students, those of you who may be PAs or newly graduated PAs, and just advice looking into the future about what it's like once you are a new PA, once you're done with school, all the way before school, during school, and after they have you covered. And thankfully, they have their own business called the Pre-PA Clinic that is open and available to students, both pre-PA and PA, with plenty of things that can help you to get in PA school and to succeed during your time in PA school from courses to mock interviews to help with CASPA, you name it, they probably have you covered and they do it from a genuine place that is from the heart. You can tell when they speak about their company, the pre-PA clinic, how much they truly do care and I think they have a lot to offer all of us as listeners, myself included. So tune in here to see how you can get a free month of the membership with them. Very, very helpful. And also just to hear from them and their experiences and their advice. So you don't want to miss today's episode. It is a good one. Stay tuned. All right, guys, we are here today with the lovely ladies from the Pre-PA Clinic, Beth and Katie. They are both practicing PAs who are here to share some knowledge with us today. So welcome to Becoming a PA, the podcast. Thank you, and thank you for having us. Yes, we're super excited to be here. Oh, perfect. Well, we are excited to have you. Definitely excited to chat with you all today. I guess just first and foremost, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us a little bit more about yourselves and your personal journeys to becoming PAs. Sure. So I'm Katie and I grew up in Texas and Florida. My undergraduate was at Florida State University and I majored in psychology, minored in bio. Um, I was actually on the med school route and didn't even find out about like PA, what a PA was until my like 
junior, senior year of college, and then was like in love with it because of switching specialties and all that sort of thing. So um, it was definitely the career for me. So I went to P school at South College and that was 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> We're aging ourselves. Yeah. So I've been a PA for about um, 10 years. Um, I started out in correctional medicine. So I worked at a jail, several jails actually. And it was a phenomenal mission field, saw all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, and then I transitioned to emergency medicine. So I worked in emergency medicine for the majority of my career. And then um, about six years in academia, uh, teaching at a PA program. And at the programs where uh, we taught, we were also allowed clinical days too. So I stayed on the ER and then also worked uh, in academics too. And I was a faculty didactic and then um, moved to clinical coordinator. Yeah, and my name is Beth, and I have a little bit different story. So my dad was in the military, and so as a kid, we moved all around the world, and I actually ended up graduating from a high school overseas. Uh, so I came back to college and went to college in Tennessee because that's where we had state residency. So I'm not sure I've actually even been to Tennessee, but in the military, you choose like one state and you keep that residency, and so it's way cheaper to go in state. So I ended up going to undergrad at Tennessee Tech University. Um, and then uh, after undergrad, so I was always was like free physical therapy for the longest time. And um, because I was an athlete and, you know, I love that and physical therapy, et cetera, they started shadowing physical therapists. And I was like, I don't really know if this is my thing. And very much like you, Ariel, I grew up with PAs. So PAs in the military are very ubiquitous. Uh, you see them everywhere. Like I always knew what a PA was. And back when we were applying, like in 2007, eight, like PA did not mean physician assistant. PA meant personal assistant. And you're, you know, you fetch coffee, that type of stuff. And so it was very, it was very unknown. We, we weren't in Forbes. We weren't in US New Weekly, but I'd always known about it. PA. And so um, after the physical therapy thing didn't work out, moved out to Colorado, did some adult fitness type stuff, and then really thought about what I wanted to do and decided that PA was the route for me. So I ended up going to University of Kentucky in Lexington. And the reason for that is they have international rotations. So I'm a huge proponent of international medicine. Um, we both are. We both love uh, the PA profession and think it needs to um, you know, explode internationally. And so I did some international rotations in PA school. After PA school, um, I did go and do a postgraduate fellowship in orthopedic surgery. So that is where most of my experience as a PA has been. Totally recommend it. It was a fantastic experience. Um, and then um, worked in orthopedic surgery for a long time. Then Katie and I actually started the very first day together at teaching at a PA school. So we transitioned to academia. And like her, I still worked part-time. Um, in orthopedics. Uh, eventually went back and got my doctorate um, and doctorate medical education uh, back in 2018, I guess, is when we graduated. <laughs> she did the uh, academic track and I did the clinical track of uh, yeah. Dr. Medical Science, yeah. And so since then, um, you know, just been practicing as PA, worked at different PA schools. I do a lot of teaching at CMEs. I do some question writing for National Board Review type stuff. Uh, so kind of our, have our hands on both sides of it, of the teaching part and of course still the um, clinical practice part. Wow, so it seems like y'all have a very vast, vast knowledge experiences there combined with the two of y'all. So yeah, we've done some unique things, yeah. I think, as PAs that not everybody's path is arrow straight. And so we've kind of taken a few curves, I think. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm sure y'all have tons of great stories and experiences and things that you've seen, and I can only imagine. Oh, yes. We see, we've seen it almost, <laughs> I would say all. Students still continue to surprise us, but we have seen a lot. <laughs> yes. I don't doubt it. And do y'all still, uh, remind me again, do y'all still work together at the moment? 
So with Pre-PA Clinic, we work together. That's our business. And that's helping Pre-PA students get into PA school just because in our years working at PA programs, we saw candidates make the same mistakes over and over again. And um, it's so not cool because if you have a dream to be a PA, then you should be able to be a PA. And there's not much accurate information out there. That's true. Um, And uh, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing, especially with as competitive as it's getting. So we do work together uh, with Pre-PA Clinic. Um, And then currently I work at a med spa, so I get to make people's lips fat and take the wrinkles (laughs) away. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Beth uh, is working at CMEs and teaching and that is, you know, she's amazing at that. That is definitely her forte. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So we actually, like, so we met the first day, we started teaching together. We had no idea what we were doing, right? We were trained as PAs and all of a sudden we get, uh, we're super interested because we had students, we were preceptors, we really loved it. So we we take the plunge and do full-time jobs and like our first day together, they stuck us in this office that had no window. (laughs) Yeah, together, you know, and these two redheads. And so we're like, hey, we figure out we have a lot in common. And like that day, we're like, listen, we should totally start a business together. And it just, over time, we just, we never realized what the missions process was really like. Because as a PA student, you only know your side of it. So you know what the interview was like for you and what the CASP application is like for you. But we found out that the academic side of it is totally different. So why do they ask these questions? And so it's not really a lot of times the answer they're looking for. It's they want your thinking process is what they're really looking for. And so we just, we never really understood exactly like, okay, what do you do? We know what we did to get in, but you know, people are like, I know what I did, but I don't know which part was good, which part was bad, which part, you know, could be improved. And so we just realized that there's this like, mystery around PA education and so people had outdated information or bad information or just you know information from people who just weren't reliable sources and we realized that there was this need for people who've been there and done that who've been on the PA side and been on the academic side to kind of let you know and just demystify the process because everybody who wants to be a PA like we want them to have a chance to chase their dreams um and so when people get bad information or outdated information, it just, again, it harms their chances. And so we just saw the same mistakes over and over again. And we just didn't want that to happen to these students who are amazing students and who have struggled so much and overcome so much and really have this, this burning desire and this dream to be a PA for the right reasons. Um, and so that's kind of how we, we started out this thing. So that was a long answer to your, well, your question. It's also so funny because years ago, the first stack of CASPA applications that landed on our desk, and then that, you know, of course, the same interviews that you know we would accept from the cast applications we were like oh that's what they're looking for like yeah. how did we get into PA school like didn't know that you know you know so it's like oh that's why they asked that yeah we, we just didn't have any idea because why would you you just know that you got into PA school and what you did and that's what most people's experience is. So we think we come from kind of a different angle of it from a lot of people because we've been there. Um, and again, we're here to serve students because pre-PA and PA students are literally the best students. Oh, you guys amazing. are so amazing. You keep us so passionate about the, the career, so passionate about serving others because it's easy to get jaded in the medical field sometimes, I think. You know, there's a lot of drug seeking, so there's a lot of other things. But dealing with students who are like are getting into the right reasons and who are still so passionate about learning and impacting the world and, you know, changing their future and their family's future 
it just it keeps us engaged and energetic and excited about it too. So you guys are like the driving force from behind what we do. So thank you. <laughs> it is literally so rewarding. Like just over the past few weeks, we've talked to, you know, someone who was in the Peace Corps who provided maternal care and someone else who volunteered at this other amazing clinic and who are going to be PAs who are going to do amazing things for our profession. And then, you know, then to go on and talk to a PA in South Africa or, you know, a PA in the UK. And I mean, just how it all is coming together and how much our profession is evolving and changing and growing. Yes. And we're super passionate about international medicine. And then to like, you know, meet you, who's a mom going through I know. school, teaching her daughter these such these such valuable yes. lessons. And your daughter, you, you're an example to your daughter. It's just incredible. We get to meet such amazing candidates and then transition that to like meeting such amazing PAs and then getting to watch your progress too. It's very cool. Yeah, we're so blessed. Definitely. Well, I definitely can feel the passion that you all have, that you both have for this and for what you've created together with the free PA clinic. And obviously it's very beneficial and something that is very much, I agree, very much needed. And there is this gap to fill with when it comes to demystifying the whole PA school mm -hmm. process and just helping those who, you know, maybe weren't you know, like me or you who have a PA in the family, I can only imagine, you know, for those that that don't don't have that kind of background, they're like, you're just like, what am I doing? And to have resources like this where you can find people who not only have the have the knowledge and it is legitimate, but actually that want to help. And it's not, you know, just from like a superficial, superficial place. It's actually from a place of the heart and you have both been through this yourselves is definitely I think something that you just can't put a value on so I think that thank y'all for creating such a thing I think that's oh you're you. so welcome we love it oh <laughs> well we'll talk a little bit more about that later and everything that entails with the P with the pre-PA clinic but I know for the students like myself I just finished didactic year uh definitely I feel like we all can use some advice, especially when we get a chance to talk to someone, not only one, but two people who have been in our shoes, done it, survived the didactic <laughs> year, lived to tell the tell about it. So if y'all have anything in particular, any advice you think might be beneficial to someone who is either about to start didactic year or maybe in the midst of it, what would you say to them that you think might help them from your knowledge and background? Sure, so I, I have two main things. I bet Beth will agree with me on this. One, there's a method to the madness. Yes. So like when we're teaching, it seems like so chaotic and disorganized, but we promise there's a method to what we're doing. Um, there's a reason why we're doing it. Um, and you will come out on the other end a great PA. You just have to trust us as faculty members. Um, the second is do not worry about your grades. So yes, you have a minimum standard and a minimum GPA that you have to keep to remain in the program, but that is not that's not as important as understanding and comprehending the information and making sure you understand it. Because when you graduate, I mean, you're going to have people's lives in your hands and you have got to know this information. And so, 
you know, whether you make a B or a C on a test, that does not matter. What matters is that you understand what you got wrong and that you're able to grow from that and learn from that. And that's such a hard thing to understand because your entire life you're taught GPA, GPA 4.0, 4.0. Yeah. And so then when you get to PA school and you hear us and we're like, we don't care what you made. It doesn't matter if you have a C. It doesn't matter if you're arguing about those two points. Like that does not matter. What matters is can you differentiate you know, sepsis from, from, you know, whatever else it is, whatever the topic is. So that is far more important. So don't stress about the grade. Yes, you have to main, maintain a minimum GPA, but the main thing is that you can comprehend that information that you're learning. Yeah, and that's so true. And and the fact of the matter is, is that there's a couple of things about medical education. One, it's not that it's like crazy hard information. If you had five or 10 years, like you could learn it all. But the problem is there's so much of it and it comes at you so fast. So like anatomy, for example, total memorization. Where does this insert? Where does the origin? What's the innervation? Like what's the second branch of the brachial plexus? Whatever, right? That's totally, I know, right? <laughs> That's totally just memorization. Anybody can do that, but it takes time, right? And so you literally don't have enough time to absorb this information. That's what makes PA school so hard. And so you can not get behind in PA school. So, you know, maybe you've got a wedding this weekend. Like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to study. Like, you're going to have to miss that family barbecue because you just can't get behind because we build upon things. Unlike an undergrad, which, I mean, how many, like, history classes or whatever classes you can take and you don't remember anything from, right? Because we, we learned it and then we dumped it after we got our grade. You can't do that in PA school because we have the scaffolding. And as Katie said, there's a method to the madness. I mean, keep building on the scaffolding so you can't forget the physiology that we taught you in first semester or you're not going to understand when a drug inhibits ACE, what it's doing, because you don't remember the renin-angiotensin pathway, right? And so it's going to be really, really important to you need to build upon this information. And as Katie said, it's, it's about the concepts. It's not about the grades. And this, again, we emphasize this because it's the number one thing. No one has ever asked me what I got in PA school, ever. No one has ever, they asked me, do you have a license? <laughs> and what's your experience is? Like, what jobs you've had? Like, Nobody literally has been like, so what did you get on your women's health rotation? <laughs> so what did you get in, you know, in anatomy? What so was your GPA? What was your GPA? Yeah. Well, I don't even know what my GPA was, and I don't care what it was. And so it's really about being successful. So the students who are the most successful are the ones who have their deeper why. Why am I doing this? I am not doing this to get a 4.0. That is not the point. I'm doing this so I'm learning this cardiac material, not for the test. I'm learning it so when I have a patient that I'll be able to treat them appropriately. So when my you know, mom calls frantic because my dad's having chest pain, I can tell her what to do. So when I'm traveling and someone you know, beside me gets sick, I understand what's going on. This is why I'm doing this. And so if you get that deeper why I'm there, those students almost always are the students that succeed because they have a reason they're there. And the reason is not to get a 4.0, nobody cares, nobody asks. That, I mean, that's not the reason. We don't rank students in our PA school like they do in med school. You're not competing for internships, you know, that type of thing. You are there to learn, to take better care of your patients. And the students that realize that, that can realize like, ooh, the reason why, even though it's maybe a boring lecture I need to listen, is because I'm gonna have a patient with a stroke someday. And time is brain. And so, you know, the quicker and the more I know this information, the better I can help this patient. Instead of like, oh, this is so boring, I don't want to learn this type thing. So it's really your attitude um, and kind of the, the way you, you focus about like, why am I here? Why do I have to learn this type thing? I think that really, really helps students go forward. Because the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, not everybody makes it through didactic here. Uh, you can look at your school's attrition rate online, not everybody. And it's not usually that people can't do it. It's they don't want to put the time in or they're there for the wrong reasons. And PA school's hard. It is so hard. So if you are not there for the right reasons, you will self-select out and be like, I don't want to do it. 
you know, I could maybe, but it's too hard to do it if you're not in there for the right reason. So always make sure you kind of have that deeper why and you hold that to you. Because sometimes it's all that's, you know, we all have bad days. It's all that's anchoring you is I'm here for X, Y, and Z. And just remembering that through the hard times. All right. I love that. I definitely can relate to a lot of what you spoke on there. And I know that my classmates can and several of the listeners can as well. And I definitely think that it's very beneficial how you speak about, you know, it's not about the grade. And you as, as soon as you can transition out of that pre-PA where you're used to like, I need yes. to be this and that and check this box and be this much better than so-and-so. As soon as you can transition out of that and be like, look, I'm here. I can be myself now. I can focus on actually learning, maintaining the material because it's not about me anymore. It's about your patience and, yes. and realizing that like, no, this is not about how good I look on paper. It's about how well do I actually know this, that when I'm in the moment, I can make the right clinical decisions to keep my patient alive, you know? So I definitely yes. like that y'all touch on that and that you're able to speak from a faculty point of view, that there is a method to the madness, because I know definitely, <laughs> yeah, when you're on the student side, sometimes you're like, I don't know. What? But, <laughs> <laughs> so that's very comforting to hear <laughs> from a faculty perspective that, you know, there is it's the madness and everything everything yes, makes sense just the process <laughs> yes, just, just exactly i've definitely been learning to trust the process myself as a, a pa school student thus far and uh i i like how you touched too as well on the attrition rates because that's something that i didn't really necessarily put too much thought into going into pa school but i think it's something that i i like encourage pre-PAs to look into when they're looking at potential programs because it does speak to like you know you, like who how good or not good they are at selecting people that mm -hmm. do you fit well with the program that do have that mission and that why and also sometimes like how well there is support or not support lack thereof for students that may be struggling and things like that so I think definitely that's something important to touch on. And I know in my program, even we started out with 46 and right now we are at 42. So it is a real thing. It does yes. happen. Simply. And so it's good to speak on that and to kind of get it out there and make it a reality and like, look, this is what happens, but you know, you can change it. You can be one of the 42 versus one of the ones who yes. didn't make it through or had to restart or X, Y, and Z that happens. Yeah. So, yeah. And Yes. I would say, and it's just really important to know that, um, you know, it, you will self-select out if you are not in this for the right reasons. Like, and we can't emphasize that enough. If you applied to PA school because your mom wanted you to, or because, you know, you heard it was, you know, a, a job that you can make lots of money. Um, like for example, my very first, my very first cohort I was advising, I had a student and he had just gotten in and we were like maybe two weeks into first semester. And so first semester at our school is tough. You did your basic sciences, you did your uh, physical exam class and a few other classes. It's very tough. And he came in and sat down about two and a half weeks in and he was like, listen, you know, I think I'm going to withdraw. And, and I was like, oh, you know, why? You know, you're doing okay in all your classes. You're passing them. Like, what is it? He's like, could I do this program? Yeah, I think I could. And he goes, I don't want to work this hard for this long. And he's like, I can go and get a master's in business, which is something else I'm interested in, for way less money, be way easier. And I feel like it would just fit my personality better. And so um, I encouraged him to like really think about it. And about a week and a half later, he did withdraw. And for, for him though, it's because he didn't have that why. Like he's like, yeah, I could probably do it, but do I want to spend two and a half years like this? You know, he's like, no, 
And he knew that early on. And so he self-selected out that he was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to work this hard for this long for this. And so again, you know, we do try in interviews to, to not accept students that we think aren't there for the right reasons, but nobody's perfect. And so it is important to note that, you know, some people don't make it through academically or professionally is a big one. So people don't make it through professionally and some people self-select out because they're like, mm. and so it is something to think about. It is something to look at. Um, attrition rates do have to be reported to our accrediting body because they want to make sure that, that we are not accepting students and that we are not taking your money and your student loans and then not graduating you, you know, if any of possible and we're not providing enough student support. So that is something that does have to be reported. So it's just something to look at. We hope, you know, none of our listeners are going to be one of those, but just know that it does happen. And so I think you're right. Just get it out there. It's reality. It happens. It happens in every place in life. Um, and so just keep in mind about, again, the things that are going to make you successful is you're there for the right reasons. You know, you think about your patients, you think about your why, and then you just trust the process. And it's one day at a time. If you think about what I have to know when I graduate, or what I have to know when I first start clinicals or the fact that like in a, in a year, I'm going to be like literally on my own prescribing. It will just freak you out. <laughs> so one day at a time, right? You're not there yet. You need to take this first day of didactic or this first day of clinicals or whatever it is. And just, this is where you're supposed to be right now. You can't think about the end or it seems so overwhelming. And one day at a time also applies for when you graduate. And that's something that not many people talk about. So that first six months to a year, depending on which, which specialty, specialty you go into is terrifying. Like I know working in the ER, like, I mean, I would wake up at like two, three, four in the morning, like just out of a dead sleep, like, oh my God, I should have just admitted that patient. I hope they're going to be okay. If my husband, like eventually it got to the point, my husband would be like, which patient are you talking about? <laughs> thinking about which patient are you awake about? You know, like, and that does get better. It does get better with experience. But that first year out, when you realize how much responsibility you have, especially in like the more acute specialties, um, it it is, it's terrifying. It can be really, really yeah. scary. Ask any PA and they'll tell you, like PA school's hard. But your first year, that's when it's real. Like that's when, cause you realize that like you could do anything and there's nobody looking over your shoulder. You could prescribe, I mean, you know, it's, it's you. And so, yeah, and, and that transition from student to professional is hard to make, especially for students who came right out of undergrad because they've never been that professional, right? They went straight from student to student. And it is hard to transition from being a student to being a professional. And because it just happens one day, you get the congratulations, you passed your test and all of a sudden you're professional, right? Now you have a license. Now legally, it's different when you sign something, when you say something, there's things you can and cannot do legally as a professional. Like, and so again, it, it, it is a hard transition that not many people talk about. Yeah. yeah. And having to grow a thick skin, you know, you also have to grow really thick skin that first year, you know, yeah. like when you're, when you're waking up an orthopod at three in the morning, like, Hey, could you come get this patient for compartment syndrome? And they're yelling and they're upset, you know, and you're like, I'm sorry, I can't help that he has it. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. So the, the journey never truly ends. It seems so true. So true. That's the beauty of the profession, right? There's always more to learn. They say, I read a statistic that like every year, 30% of drugs change medications because there's new classes. I mean, there's new classes of diabetic medications, not just new medications. There's new classes there. I remember I was in school when Zeralto came out. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like, we were like very end of our, um, of our clinical year. And it was like, whoa, this brand new anticoagulant, you know, and it was like, Ooh, it's all new. And now we've got like, you know, five others that have come out since then. So things are always changing. You're always learning. But again, I think people who are drawn to this profession are drawn to that. They like learning. They like updating. They like knowing the new stuff because otherwise, you know, why would you be drawn to this profession that's ever changing?
Yeah, exactly, exactly. They, like medicine is always changing, and I, mm -hmm. I think one of our professors was like, half of whatever you learn, like it's it's considered wrong by the time you like you're out in practice for a few years, and yep. then you just back and you laugh and like we used to do what for what? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Like oops, you know. reason why we call it practicing medicine right we're always practicing yes you know improving our crafts so to speak. so true so true it's the art of medicine exactly there you go the art of medicine i like that so it definitely seems like the whole flexibility being flexible extends beyond just pa school and free pa and into onward as you become a true practicing professional so definitely many things to look forward to and to try to prepare for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> us PA school. But that's very nice to hear that from both of y'all from your perspectives. And I know myself, I'm in that transition from didactic student to clinical student. And even that I've been finding is like a little bit, you know, a little bit intimidating because mm -hmm. like, like you said, when you're transitioning from student to provider even, it's like, these are real people, these are real patients. And what advice do you have, I guess, for people who are either in my shoes where we're just beginning our clinical rotations, trying to figure out the best way to go about that, or maybe someone who is in the middle of a tricky rotation, they're needing some advice, what would you say to those people? Yeah, so much. <laughs> Number one, um, soak up every single piece, every single second of your rotation, soak it up because this is a time where you're really going to be learning like the bread and butter of medicine. This is not the time to be a fly on the wall, to be shy, um, uh, help the nurses out, uh, learn something from the phlebotomist, like whatever it is you can learn, soak it up. And this is the time where, um, you know, make your, your preceptor's life easy. So like, can I suture that? At least ask, right? So they may be like, no, I don't, I don't let students suture. Well, at least you ask, right? They most likely will say, yes, by all means, please help me out. So this is not the time to be a fly on the wall or be a wallflower. Like, you know, go out, um, uh, be vulnerable, um, go and, and literally soak up every second. The other thing I would say, uh, from my experience as clinical coordinator is you need to, as a student, act like every single rotation is your favorite rotation. So even if it's not, even if you hate it, even if you're like, oh my gosh, if I have to see another pregnant woman, like, <laughs> like you need to, to make the preceptor feel like you are so excited and passionate about that rotation because from a preceptor standpoint, they're opening up their clinic, their staff, their patients, uh, their time uh, to take you on. And and that's a huge deal as a preceptor and it is you you wouldn't be able to get through PA school without it you have to have clinical rotations so preceptors are so valuable and it's such a blessing to be able to do that and to be able to learn from somebody even if you don't necessarily agree with like some of their methods of practice that's just something for you to learn from right so you're like okay I know I'm not going to practice like that I'm going to practice in this other way you know not that you would ever tell the preceptor that but still it's like it's all a learning experience and so go into it acting like every rotation is your favorite and soak up as much as you can from each rotation yeah because this is your chance to be a student so it's your chance to be a provider and a student because once you graduate and pass that exam there's this mantle that is bestowed upon you and you know you're not a student anymore yes we all are still learning but you are making your own decisions and there's no one to you know ask and second guess and yeah we all collaborate some but this is your chance to be a student and it's okay if you don't know 
or if you say this medicine and it's the wrong medicine, or if you're unreally sure what to do next, it's okay because you're a student. So as Katie said, soak it up, like use that time. This is a year you're gonna have that it's okay not to know and not be able to figure it out because you've got someone else there. Because afterwards it's like, well, you've got to figure it out. Like if you don't know, you're gonna have to figure out how to figure it out, right? Um, and the second thing I wanna say, and it's a little bit more kind of soft, I guess, is the one thing we cannot teach you that is probably the most important thing about being a good provider is actually caring about your patients. Okay, and, and it seems like so easy, but listen, you cannot teach that. People who really listen, are you listening to your patients? Because they will tell you what's wrong. They will tell you what their diagnosis is if you listen and if you ask the right questions. And if you just care, because think about it. So I worked in orthopedics, right? If you're talking about a strain, a sprain, 90% of those are gonna get better no matter what I do, right? They're gonna get better with time. Mother nature is gonna heal, your body's amazing, right? But the patients that are really, really thankful are the ones who feel like, wow, she listened to me. Like, you know, she she understood, she gave me some options, she gave me a brace and a physical therapy. They probably would have been okay without that, right? But to them, I listened to them. I cared about their pain. I cared about the problem. I gave them some alternatives. I helped them become part of their treatment plan. Well, hey, which one of these do you think sounds right for you? Which one is right for your lifestyle? Oh, I understand you can't go to therapy because it's really expensive. Well, here, let me give you some home exercises to do. Or let me, you know, do this. Let, let's give you a work note so you don't have to use this arm for a few days or whatever it is. And so just caring about your patients those are the patients that are thankful, they're grateful, and those are the ones that are gonna open up to you because sometimes it's really personal stuff and if they don't think you care, they're not gonna tell you the things that you need to know, right, for this diagnosis. They're not gonna tell you that they had unprotected sex yesterday with someone they don't know or whatever with a random because again they don't trust you and so if you don't have the information how can you make the best choices for their health and so it's really really important i tell all of our students like listen it's so important to really care and that's something we can't teach you in pa school you just have to learn you have to model it um and that is one of the most important aspects of being a good provider is actually caring about your patient so think about it like that is that, what if that's your grandma what if that was your mom or your dad or your best friend or your kid or something like that how would you want them treated you know and and think about it that way because these are people as you said like these are real people these are real people's moms and dads and kids and brothers and best friends and lovers um and so you have to like it's a big responsibility and i think you need to treat it as such and so the, the providers that don't that kind of forget that big responsibility are the ones that typically will eventually get trouble I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, I know I didn't touch on this earlier, but for my part of my patient care experience hours, I was a medical scribe. And so I worked with a ton of different providers and really could tell the type of provider that I wanted to be versus that I didn't and not like in a clinical meaning, but just from the ones who do mm -hmm. take the time to, you know, introduce themselves to everyone who's there in the family and just really kind of sit down and listen to the patient and treat them like a true human being, you know, yes. versus ones that are like, all right, we're going to treat them and treat them. Let's get them out. Come on, come on. And they're like, I, you know, it's like, they're not even fully listening to the patient and you're just there and you're like, wow, okay, this is, this is different. And, uh -huh. you know, you kind of see what you would like to entail and what you would like to not emulate as yes. a provider. So I think that's really important that you touch upon that and just the human aspect, especially now in, you know, the world that we're living today with the pandemic and everyone, you know, being so socially isolated or just so on edge that just having a little bit of gratitude and just being yes. like, hey, and just something like that goes even further than it did even before. So it goes a long way, I would say. So true. Yeah, gratitude. You hit that on the head. Be yeah. grateful that you had the chance to go to PA school. Be grateful that, you know, you are a PA, that you've made it. Be grateful that your patients 
you know, have this trust in you that you can make an impact in the world and still make a living. Uh, I love that. That's so true. And I think sometimes we forget it, especially when we're stressed or jaded or had a bad day, but you always need to come back to that, whether it's a mantra or whether it's just remembering why you're here, or sometimes it's just a patient who like will give you a hug. And then you remember like, oh my gosh, I am making a difference, you know? Uh, and so I think that, that you're right. It all comes back to gratitude. Yes, definitely. Perspective can change everything, I think. So definitely agree with you on that. And I know y'all both talked about, it seemed like you you both have a huge fulfillment that comes from doing your work with the pre-PA clinic. And I know you touched on that. And how long have y'all been doing that? And is there anything else that you feel like our listeners should know about the pre-PA clinic and everything that that entails? Sure. So um, we've been doing it for a while now, and it's really built up a lot of momentum in the past like year. Um, and it's just love it. <laughs> yeah, you guys are amazing. You really are. You're just awesome. Um, and so as free pay clinic, so our main focus starting out was helping free pay students getting into pay school, which we totally still do. And we have courses that help you go from like application to acceptance, and um, especially with the camp uh, uh, with the CASPA application, um, just because there's so many mistakes that can be made there, and just tiny tweaks to make you a stronger applicant. And we have interview courses. We do personal statement editing and mock interviews and that sort of thing. And then uh, recently, we started transitioning into um, helping uh, students get through. PA school um, and just because we know the struggles that a lot of students have during PA school. Yeah, so I remember when I was in PA school, I was like, listen, you don't know, you don't understand cardiology until you fail the test, right? And so it's like, you know, until it, because you don't know, because you don't have any practice questions, you're not really sure, you think you know what's going on. And so we got together and said, okay, we getting these students into PA school, how can we serve them now when they're in PA school? What can we do to serve them better? And so we have a membership where uh, it's like a monthly membership fee and then you can go on there and there's all sorts of, you know, quizzes for anatomy and physiology, practice ostlers, uh, disease sheets, practice videos, links, with videos like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Because again, we want to serve our students now that we got help get them into PA school. Okay, we want to keep them in PA school school because we did talk about that attrition rate and and we just we feel so blessed because it, truly pre-PA and PA students are really the best students like you guys are the cream of the crop just to be able to apply to PA school you have to be so successful and we, we tell our clients this like just the fact that you're thinking about being a PA means you've already done so much work because you have to have an undergraduate degree right you have to have volunteer hours you have to have shadow you have to have patient care hours you have to show leadership you have to write essays you have to go through this big ridiculous CASPA cycle and every school opens at a different time and closes at a different time and you got to interview and there's MMIs I mean there is so much into it and so you've already won is what we say if you're applying to PA school like you've literally already won you've already shown success in your life and you know and the reality is that eventually someday many many years from now we might need someone to take care of our health right um we're big travelers we might get in wreck plane wrecks i don't know would there anything could happen <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not now or giardia or you know i don't know fall of a mountain ultra already something right so something might happen we're going out with a bang in this world but we're like 96 but anyways and so like we need you guys to one create amazing healthcare globally because you know not just our country, but there's other countries desperately in need of healthcare. 
And then two, we want you guys to take this profession into the next generation, okay? Because we were at the generation that when we started, nobody knew what a PA was, and there's only a few schools, and now it's exploded, and it's number one in you know, US Weekly News or whatever. And so now you guys, we're handing the mantle over to you to say, okay, Right now the profession is known. Now what can you do with it? And and just again, all the amazing things you've done, you volunteered and you've done leadership and you guys are so, so successful and so driven and have so many facets to, to what you do and, and what you have done and your background, your experiences that we know that you're gonna take this profession and even explode it more. You're going to, you know, all corners of the world, all countries that need PAs and, and you're just going to, again, solidify um, our um, presence in legislation and on all these things. And we know healthcare is changing globally globally and changing rapidly and you guys are going to be the ones that really send it into the next um the next decade and so we really really love that and we just feel your excitement and your enthusiasm and every time we read a personal statement we're like oh my gosh like this is so fantastic this person is going to be the person you know who changes you know who's going to change the world they're going to impact their patients so greatly they're going to you know help uh, push our profession to its boundaries and help change you know the way that we view healthcare and preventative care and all these type of things and so we're just so lucky to deal with you you type of students because you really are the cream of the crop you're the best of the best and and you're getting into healthcare for all the right reasons because you have to check so many boxes and do so many things that if you're not again if you're not in it for the right reasons you self-select out so we get to make our living and get to you know embody uh the spirit of all you guys and it only gets us more and more excited every single day and so like as Creek pa clinic our three pillars are one getting you into pa school second getting you through pa school and third every single country in the world should have PA as a profession. Yes, global healthcare. We're very much into global healthcare. We love to travel. Uh, we love to interview people on our podcast uh, from other countries just to see what the healthcare is like. Uh, and so that is a huge goal of ours because we really think it can change people's lives to have PAs, especially in these rural areas that have no access to healthcare. It might be a 12 hour bus away and there is no bus. You know, how are these people gonna get healthcare? Well, you know what, it's gonna be PAs. I love that. I love the global aspect too, not just thinking how we can help people here, but around the world as well. I think that's something that is oftentimes overlooked. So, and definitely something that can be improved upon for sure, as we're seeing in the news these days, we're not all having equal opportunities in each country. So yes. I really love, thank y'all for thinking of that too. And taking the steps necessary to spreading the profession and just helping patients around the world. I think that's incredible. Thank so, you, yeah, enjoy it. Of course. And uh, where can a potential student who's like, okay, I'm really interested in the pre-PA clinic and all of that they have to offer, how can they go about reaching you guys or getting involved and getting started on that pathway with you? Absolutely. So the main platform that we're really active on is Instagram and our handle is at PrePA Clinic. Um, we also have a podcast where the white coats come off and that is like the nitty gritty everything from bad and ugly. Yes, from PrePA to PA student to um, we interview PAs all over the world in different specialties. Um, so that's super fun. Um, we are here to help you. We're here to be mentors. Um, so Instagram is definitely where we're most active and then our, um, the podcast too, where the white coats come off. We do have a website, prepayclinic.com, yeah. in case you care, if you want to go look at that. Uh, we love Instagram because we love pictures and, and yeah, all that. And videos. Um, yeah, and videos and that kind of thing. Um, so 
yeah, that's where you can find us. And we hope you join us, follow us. Uh, you can always DM us. Uh, we're always available to answer your questions. We try and do it, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. We do get a lot and it's just us two. We are a small, small business. And so, uh, but again, personalized touch and care, and that's what we're there for. Uh, and so we just hope to continue to grow and to continue to spread the amazing uh, profession that we have. And then hopefully, you know, stay connected with students just like you and kind of follow your journeys. Cause I think that that really helps people who've heard someone who's done it before. Like, okay, Eric, Girl's a mom, a single mom, like she's done it, I can do it. Or, you know, someone else, okay, well, they were a non-traditional student, they've done it. Or she came out of undergrad and had three C's, well, she did it, I can do it too. Um, and it's just really important because again, all back to that mindset, um, that that's really, really important when it comes to PA school. Exactly, I love that. I love that we have so many platforms to share our stories and to connect yes. with each other. So, and I definitely am a fan of Instagram and of podcasts too. So I think that it's great that you're on different medias and just available for all the students to reach out to you and that you're doing such great things for the pre-PA the pre and the PA community too. So thank you all for doing that and for reaching out and just for helping all of us students. It's definitely appreciated for sure. Well, thank you for thank having you. us. Yes. We had such a great chance chatting with you and can't wait to continue to follow your journey as well. Thank you. And before we leave, do y'all have any just like a last minute piece of advice or just a major takeaway that you would like to share with the listeners before we go? Sure. So if you are thinking about going to PA school or pre-PA, you can absolutely do this. Um, that is the number one thing I think that we see is so there's so much self-doubt and we're so hard on ourselves. Um, so if you're pre-PA and you have a few C's or whatever it is, you don't have any shadow mirror or whatever it is, you can do it you can get into PA school. If you're in PA school, uh, just keep going. Keep your, <laughs> get a straw to like breathe above water, you know, like, but you can totally do this. Do it one day at a time, just like Beth said earlier. Um, if you have just graduated PA school, um, then congratulations and uh, let's take it to every country in the world. I like it, I like what it. I guess my final thoughts would be that you know everybody's scared everybody feels like an imposter everybody feels like they can't do it but the ones who succeed are the people who can move past that fear of failure which is a whole nother podcast okay this fear of failing this feel of not getting it right because everybody's journey is different and so you can look for people for inspiration but your journey will never be exactly the same because you're not the same person you have different backgrounds you have different experiences you have different you know life goals and 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 everything and so you know, use people, other people as motivation and inspiration, but know that your journey might look different and it's okay if it looks different. It's supposed to look different because it's your journey. And rarely are people have a straight arrow. Everybody's got a curve or a boulder or a Grand Canyon to get across. And so don't think of that as something negative. Think of that as something positive. I was able to get here despite this. You know, I had to climb this mountain or I had to, you know, forge this river and I still made it. So do not compare yourself to other people because comparison is a thief of joy. Wow. I love that. I love that quote too. That's definitely yes. something that I, I think about often uh, in my life. Like, no, don't compare because literally it's it's the thief of joy. It, it will kill your, mm -hmm. your joy. So just look at you, stay in your lane and focus on what you're doing yes. each day and give yourself some grace give yourself some gratitude and mm -hmm. just take it a day at a time i couldn't agree more there 
Well, thank you all for, thank you both for being here today and for sharing all of your knowledge, your advice, and just your stories. I know I appreciate it and all of the listeners will definitely appreciate it as well and a lot to learn from you both. So we definitely appreciate you being on here and chatting today. I've enjoyed it. It was so nice meeting you both and and I look forward to connecting in the future and to seeing where the pre-PA clinic goes from here and all of our listeners on behalf of them. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And 